0: Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. What was the book that we worked through? Sorry, I cannot hear. Ephesians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've parked it for a little bit. And then Lainey last week said we're going to do another series again. Can you remember some time ago we said what Jesus did? Not what what would Jesus do, what Jesus did. Remember this series? We're embarking on a few weeks of that again. Come Christmas, I'll be preaching on what Jesus did in sacrifice. It's going to be a service where unapologetically, we're going to share that Jesus was born and he died for us. Just warning you up front, that is what's coming on Christmas. If you bring your friends and your family members That's what they're going to hear. And you all should say, yes, because he is the good news. He will forever be the good news. But I I don't know if you can remember that when we did what Jesus did, Lainey kicked it off, and she said there's a scripture that we are picking it on, that we are hanging this, this what Jesus did on. Can anybody remember what it was? Come on, guys, your memories are not that poor. Come on. Come on! I'll give you the book. It's Romans. Okay. 13 verse 14. See, I also have to read. (laughs) The scripture says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its own desires. That is what inspired what Jesus did when we put him on and we don't gratify our own desires. And Lainey spoke last week about a glove. Uh, Her mom Sally has a drawer full of gloves can you remember that beautiful picture of it's just a floppy thing until a hand goes in now i had the privilege of um talking to other people and my take on that not knowing what laney was going to do about the gloves was it's like a coat that you put on and the coat is just a piece of fabric until you give shape to it hey? how, how clever is that analogy but the other day <laughs> at my house we had some people there and this bundle was left and if you know me, I'm not scorned to ask. So I thought, what is this? And then I saw that it is something that I want. So I went to the to the owner of it, and I said, Can I have it? And like, will it fit you? <laughs> Can I have it? I will lose weight to fit in it if I need to. <laughs> and they took the thing, and it was passed to me like that. And as soon as you pick it up, you can see that it has substance. It's physical. It's made of fabric. It's woven. I don't know. Maybe it's like, I do not think there's anything organic, maybe. But it's this, and it, it's, it's got substance. And as soon as I put it on, after everybody stopped taking photos, You can see that it is a garment that suits me quite well. You see, there is something that has substance, but until the Holy Spirit gives it shape, it has no purpose. It's just a bowl of fabric, a bundle of fabric, and that is what this series is about. Putting on so that it can take shape. So this morning, when I I, I walk away from this, I'm hoping that I will give you some handles on something that I felt inspired by God to share that you can walk away with, walk into. Now, for those that know me, I am a little bit more pragmatic probably than, than should be, maybe a little bit abnormally so. But you should ask yourself, what do you do with what is taught on a Sunday? What is shared? And even if we don't give you lessons to apply You should still say, Father, what revelation and what do you want me to do with this afterwards? We as a people should do that. It is on us to bring the word of God. It is on you to take it and make it yours. So it's not us. We can stand to account for a lot of things, but not all things. So this morning, (laughs) uh, you, you just look at society around you. And you will, you will bear me out that there is no such thing as absolute truth anymore. You mention the word that this is true. This is an absolute truth. And you will have a barrage of people attacking you from people you know to people you don't know. It's like it's an uncomfortable thing in our society. You listen to all the apologetic teachers out there. They'll all tell you that the world has done away with absolute truths three things about the truth today the world we live in does not believe in absolute truth anymore it has been relegated to the ramblings of lunatics levi tells me that there's a new group of people emerging they call themselves the flatties it's got nothing to do with body shape but they believe the earth is flat that they will fight you on it. Now all of you are saying, oh, that's okay. It must be in America. It's in Edenvale. On our doorstep. It's not me. They're all around in Joburg. These people believe the earth is flat. Now I've got to ask you guys, take away the pre-Christ timeline. That's 2017 years. Do you not think that us as a people that are so intelligent would have figured out that there's an end to a flat earth? But you can't say it because it's an absolute truth. I wonder, my second point on the truth is, truth has is, become relative and, and negotiable today. Not so. I wonder if you take these flatties now and you say, let's discard all absolute truths. The absolute truth of a force of gravity pulling you towards the flat earth that you walk on is now debatable. What are you left with? People floating into the netherness above a ruler. Like, absolute truth is not absolute anymore according to society. Absolute truth is negotiable. So now, Two plus two equals what you want it to be. The truth about who you are. You make a statement to say, this is who I am, and you will get an onslaught of saying, this is not true. We sit and we go through training with Cindy and them about um, uh, sexual addiction and and, and people. And it's just an ever-increasing classification. The same people that fight against do not classify me according to my gender are classifying them by creating new genders. Because there it is no absolute truth anymore. In Sweden, children are, are very soon, I think I've mentioned it before, not going to be named until they can agree to the name that their parents want to give them. Because what if I didn't want to be called Johan? There's this constant back onto what we know to be true. The third thing, it seems that absolute truth in the, 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 the discovery of what is true is no longer pursued. You, you just have to question. That's all you have to do. There's no more, let's find out if the earth is round or whatever. We just make it up. We pursue whatever suits us. There's no more pursuit in, in, in finding out Things about mathematics and astronomy and science and that it now is the biggest social debate when's the the truth let's just take for instance what what our school should should look like place of instruction no it, it shouldn't It should have rooms for kids to to go and have sex if they'd like to. Like, there's not. Do you understand what I'm saying here? There is nothing. No lines drawn anymore. So this morning, what I want to talk on the back of this is what Jesus did. Was he pursued the truth? I hope that as I share about all these ridiculous notions of no more absolute truth, that it is stirring in you to say, but I know one truth. One truth that will never change. That Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. That He lived and He died and He was resurrected to life so that you and I can be reconciled with the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The word truth, so funny because everybody, you look at the gospel of John, you can open your Bibles there, and everybody will tell you the gospel of John is, the, he was the gospel of love. It's the one that reclined on the chest of, of Jesus, and he writes about himself, the one the, that he loved. <laughs> and love is, is prominent in the book of John, but Funny enough, if you go and look for the word truth, it is also the gospel that has the most occurrences of the word truth. Because another truth that you can bank on is that he loved you and he loves you with an everlasting love. Walk away with another absolute, that the perfect love set you free. Let's read from uh, chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not, not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Can we read it again? I was looking for a response there, but I didn't get it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who are they talking about? Jesus. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. I don't know why they wrote it like that, but they did. Nothing exists outside of Jesus. His will is paramount. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. You ever seen somebody that has just accepted Jesus Christ and check their faces change from downcast? It's like a light went on, and their countenance changed. That's Jesus. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank you, Lord, that this is true for us today. This will be true for generations to come. This has been true for all generations, Father. And we thank you, Jesus, that you are the light of this church. And in this church, we will pursue you as our absolute truth. But let's go into the couple of points. So the first thing I I, I wrote here is that the Greek word for truth is aletheia. You look it up amazing. It means something is true. <laughs> it means something is not concealed. Simple. No other words, no other interpretations. When the book of John speaks about truth, it speaks about verily, verily. Anybody read the King James and it always says, verily, verily, I tell you the truth. Verily, verily. The true, it's true. What Jesus says is true, and it's not concealed. When we go into this message this morning that Jesus pursued the truth, he pursued the true thing of what it is, but he also aimed, once he understood the truth, to come and bring it into revelation for others. So my charge this morning, as you listen to this message, are you ready to say, I accept the truth of Jesus Christ, and I will bring it into revelation. I will not conceal it for others. Will you put him on like I did my jacket? Will you put the truth on and not conceal it from others? Just a challenge for those people that are LRC Limbronians. So point number number one, what Jesus pursued? Jesus pursued the truth in who he was. Nothing profound, nothing new. It is the one thing I couldn't find in the Gospel of John. He speaks in, in Matthew and in Mark and, he, and and the other gospels. He talks about how he went down to the Jordan to be baptized by his cousin. And as he came out of the water, heavens opened up. And the Spirit of the Lord descended on, on him in the in the shape of a of a dove. And there was a voice that said, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. And you know what John does? He says, he doesn't recount the the, the actual event, but he says, just like it happened, heaven's opened and and it came. He refers to it. But you know, Jesus took that as, I am the Son of God, and and it was His truth, who He was. It wasn't debatable that I am possibly, or um, if that offends you, possibly not. It wasn't, I am possibly a son, or if that offends you, possibly a daughter. Now, we know that the word denotes child of, but it also denotes gender. We can't be comfortable with that anymore, can we? The crux of the matter is absolute truths become debatable when you focus on the side issues. Not on the main thing. Main thing here is not son, daughter, female, male. It's heaven open up and the creator of the world saying, you are mine. Can we stop with this frivolous debate about who we are in Christ and just know that we are His? If you need to hear that this morning, stop debating What you are, just know that you are His. The safest place to be. It's where Jesus parked it. Boom, I'm there. That is my truth. The enemy then comes and challenges him, and he's like, ah, I don't need this. I am my Father's, and He has called me by name. I've got some, some handles here. I thought what you could do in pursuing The absolute and settling that Jesus did the truth in his life. Maybe you can ask these questions. Question number one is, is God, am I yours? (laughs) The next step is maybe sit and wait for him to answer. We ask these questions, but we don't wait for a response. Or we get a response from a source that we don't like. I don't, I don't particularly like Johan's face. So if he tells me I'm God's, A, that's debatable. But if Terry does it, that's true. Now we know in most things that's, that's applicable, but you get the example. Next thing I thought that you could do is, um, if God now says to you that you are mine, how about to try to accept it? How many of us are still struggling with this thing that we are his? Because, I mean, like the prophecies came this morning, we're not worthy of it. (laughs) The reality is, we're not. Because if you had to keep score just of your own stumblings against the Bible every day, I think I I get up, my first alarm goes off at five. I think at about 10 past five, I would have had some marks already. We are not perfect. But we are redeemed by Christ. And yes, we all pursue Him to become more like Him, for sure. But until He comes back, we will never be perfect like He is perfect. But we are still His. Accept it. Third one. Now when you know and you've accepted that you are His, pursue it. Can I be be vulnerable with you guys here? There's a lot of new faces, but let's let's do it anyway. So most of you know about my past and my history of um, homosexuality before Molly and I got married. You know, and this was, you will know that I've used this in a message before. I, I heard God say to me, you are my beloved son, not daughter, in whom I'm well pleased. That was my my case. Now, I've accepted that. You know that I had to ask myself, now, how am I going to walk this out? Because my attraction didn't end when that revelation from God and that voice from God came. I had to ask myself, well, what do I like in a lady? I like them to look like my wife. Smaller than me. I prefer short hair, petite. I like my wife to have an opinion and talk to me about it. I like to have a debate. I like her to have passion. When we, we fight, like there's a... That, by the way, is me, <laughs> not a... She goes, listen. <laughs> But now some of us get stuck at the asking God. Some of us get stuck at the accepting. We need to get to the point where we pursue it. What does it look like when you call yourself a son of God? I pursue him, man. I make time for him. You know, my kids are over me some mornings that I just, oh, please, Father. Then Ava is on top of me. And Iris is next to me. Then joy comes and climbs in between Iris and me. Then Iris smacks joy because I was here first. And then Jude stands next to the side of the bed. And there's no space for me. When are we going to pursue the father like that? Pursue the truth about who you are in him as an absolute Settle it and walk in it. The second thing that Jesus did. Uh, l- l- let me re- resolve it there. So, so he, he knew that. And then he walks in it by saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He brings revelation to others about it. The second point. Jesus pursued the truth about when. When. He had to do things. John 2, verse 1 to 8. they had the, the, the wedding in Cana. And you know what happens? The wine runs out. His mother comes to me, comes to him, and says, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, quite cheeky for a Jewish boy, woman. What does this have to do with me? Kind of want to say it with like a Latin attitude. Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Jesus was so aware of the timing of things. Now the time. He sits with his disciples and they say, well, well, when is it going to happen? When is the end of the oppression of Israel? When is the end of the world? And he says to them, it is not for man to know. Only the Father knows the hour, not even the Son. You go and read the Gospels. You hear that Jesus was so aware of timing. But a couple of learnings for us here. The first time when he says to his mother, what has this got to do with me? He goes on, and he still obeys his mother, and he says, bring those watering cans, fill them with water, now taste and see, it's new wine. You know, sometimes the timing for us is just to be who we are, a son to a mother, a friend to someone who needs it. Those things, you don't have to pursue God on, oh God, please tell me, this. This there wasn't uh, a an accident now, um, and should I go and check on my, on my friend? Please give me the timing, Lord. Just be in the time who is asked you to be. Phone and say, Are you okay? How many of you walk past people when they stumble and fall? Shall I say, How many of us walk past? It's become something to avoid people fall very rarely do you see people rush to somebody's aid when they trip and fall look I think we all stand laughing it's I think it's for some of us a natural thing because we're nervous but for others it's it's complete apathy like I didn't want to get involved but you're there and you can do the you can make a difference be in the time who you can be that's it and there are times when we need to be patient because it's not the timing of God. This is not what happens this morning. There are prophetic words. And after the service, we're still going to pursue God prophetically for people. A prophetic word comes and says that you will be a worship leader for Christ. Wonderful. Now, you can play a little bit of keys but it sounds a bit plinky-plonky. Like, you don't really have pedal control. And for a person that plays keys, it's, 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 it drives you nuts. But anyway. You now want to get onto stage and you want to play. You're done. Uh, the God has said this, it's here. And it's the most horrific experience for everybody but you. Did it nullify the word that God gave you no. He wants you to be a worship leader. Friend. Maybe there's a little bit of a journey involved here because it's not his timing. Let me contrast this with something else. You guys know what happened with Jude hands. So in the moment, I could kill myself when those five surgeons said they're not going to do surgery on my boy. When they all refused. They don't want to do it. And I, I was like, can, can I, do I go and beat them and try not to break their hands but so that they can do the surgery? Or do I, what do I do in this moment because it is driving me nuts. This child hasn't had surgery for 12 hours, 13 hours, 14 hours. Eventually, 26 hours later, they only started the surgery on his hand. Now, Six months later, we look back at it. We see how God got five surgeons to possibly say no, because the sixth one was the best. I look back on it and I say, God, it was your timing. How glorious. Oh, man. You know that I don't go back and say, oh, Father, so sorry for my impatience. And my the thoughts I had at this point, Lord. Had I gotten my way in the time that I wanted it, I don't know if Jude would have had the recovery because that man was an absolute instrument in the hand of God in repairing what needed to be repaired. Now, I know I've got stories like that, many of them in my life. I'm sure you've got some of those stories. Where after the thing has unraveled, you look back and you say, (laughs) God's timing was absolutely amazing. And we stand on this side with puffed up chests and say, oh, how glorious. We testify to God's goodness and majesty. And, you know, can we just settle then when we're actually in the event that the Father is unfolding things in his time. But as a people, we are so impatient. Impatient. I wrote some handles here. Let's see. I said, first thing that you can do practically in this is to find your peace in the waiting. You remind yourself of those things where you have stood back and looked at them and you have seen and observed the hand of God in the right time doing the right thing. The second thing I thought that you could do is look at situations as God's situations and make Him the God of the moment, not the God of the future. I think we are all comfortable with knowing one day He's going to return. But you know it says He is come and He is coming. We want to give Him the testimony after the the thing has worked out to His glory. He is the one working it out moment by moment to His glory. Can we as a people recognize the God in the moment, not just the God at the end of the moment? I hope that's helpful. Third one. Jesus pursued the truth about the will of His Father for his life. It's beautiful. John 14, verse 67. Listen to this. Jesus Jesus said to him, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. His will was first of all, to make the Father know. I'm the way, the truth, and the life to the Father. And then he says, From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. His second will was to help others to know the will of the Father for his life. You know that that thing was birthed in this attitude of Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, of standing before the Father and saying, God, if you can, if you are willing, please remove this cup from me because I don't want to die. But your will, not mine. You see, we as people... I shall not be moved. And we are comfortable at expressing to the creator of the world what we are not comfortable with. I don't like to live this way. I don't like this. I don't appreciate it when people judge me. I don't like that I don't have money. I don't like this. But we stop there. When Jesus went one step further and said, "But not my will, your will, Father." Luke 22:42, "Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done." You see an element of our society spreading into secular theology, I want to call it. Where they stop at this point, Father, let this guy pass from me. Father, give me this. Another car, another house, another this, another that. I want you to be a people that evaluate Preaching the whole way. If you listen to a podcast and they only present to you that when you make your will known to God, that He will comply, they are not preaching the fullness of verse 42 that says, I can ask you for all things, Father, but not my will thine be done. I'm expressing it in King James for dramatic effect. Can we get back to the place where we have reverence and awe and says, Thy way, Lord. And not this casual approach to a money box. I'm doing it just about finances, but it applies to every facet of our lives. I look at the things we went through in this year. And many times I stood before God and I would say, Why? 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 Why, me Lord? It's either a country song or a Baptist song, but why, me Lord? Why? Father, your will, not mine. I can make known to you my petitions. I can pour out my heart. I can tell you my desires. I can tell you my fears. But your will be done in my life. You know the beauty of it, when you're in that place of saying your will, that next thing of the word, Alathea becomes natural. As you submit to that beautiful will of God, when you walk every day, people get the revelation. Ah, he's trusting the will of God. Ah, maybe I can try it too. Get those little testimonies in at the water cooler, at the coffee station, at the the boardroom, at the design room, whatever, where you're like, ah, short little ones. His will for my life is this. Oh, my marriage is in a good space because of him. Who's this him? Jesus. (laughs) All of a sudden, I'm coping with less money because of him. I don't know how, but we just got through this month again. Lunch is packed. Boom. It's not supposed to calculate and and balance out. But it did. Because of Him. Your will be done. Romans 13 verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision for the flesh. To gratify its own desires. I'm holding out to you. That if you pursue the truth of Christ. About who you are. About His timing for your life and about His will for your life. That perhaps you will give shape to something of substance to make it functional. May we be a people that are out there making (laughs) submission to Him, accepting Him as Lord and Savior, a joyous, functional lifestyle. Can I pray? Thank you, Father, that your word is living and active, my God. I pray, God, that if I've said anything that hasn't pleased you, to just remove it in Jesus' name. But, Lord, where there's there's something for you to brood over and hover over, Holy Spirit, and come and bring alive in lives, may that be done. Bring deep conviction in hearts and in lives about who people are in you, God. May people hear your voice Cry over them. You are my beloved son, my beloved daughter. You are the one that I give shape to because I love you. You are the one that I've redeemed, the one that I pursue. Father, may people trust you with the unfolding of their lives in a better way, in a greater way. To your name be all glory and honor and praise for all eternity. Amen.